Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Chip Doyle, sales expert with Sandler Training, about managing someone I bet you've never thought about managing, your customer. Yep, believe it or not, customers need to be managed too, but few designers, salespeople, or production managers have been taught how. Well, we'll take care of that with the help of Chip in just a minute. I'm going to do this the old-fashioned way, with two swords and maximum effort. Okay, guys. Let's get out there and make a difference. Hi, this is Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Yeah, you are. So, you know, Mark, today we get to talk about sales. Also, it's a sort of a different angle of sales, but such an important part. It's a critical part. And who, we're who talk- knew? <laughs> I mean, right? Manager, customer? Yeah. That's a great idea. And just to take that sort of training down to your, you know, not just the salespeople. All these companies, you know, we talk about sales all the time, right? And Chip Doyle, our guest today, works with dozens of our members on sales training. But most of them are the salespeople. Right. This is a little bit of a different angle. Yeah, and it's a brilliant angle. I mean, I never would have thought of it. I'd love to, I wonder if he invented it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. He's a pretty smart guy, so he might have. That's what I'm thinking. All right, so let's dive in. So Chip Doyle, a sales expert with Sandler Sales, literally wrote the book on selling to homeowners. And it's called Selling to Homeowners. Woo! It's a great book, and it really dives into the the philosophies of Sandler training, which so resonate with remodeling contractors, but specifically about this industry. He's taught, you know, as I said, dozens of our members the techniques of uh, selling and improving those close ratios, improving everything from qualifying the customer to upselling through his sales edge program that he does exclusively for our membership. Um, And he works with remodeling companies and all sorts of companies across North America. So welcome, Chip. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hey, and you know what? We're going to be seeing you at the 2018 Remodelers Summit in New Orleans this September, too, aren't we? I I am so excited. Um, I'm I, I'm looking forward to the meeting, and it's been a long time since I've been to New Orleans. That's uh, just another uh, a cherry on top of that Sunday. No kidding. I think it's gonna that that location is gonna bump us into the stratosphere in terms of attendance. So that's very cool. I hope so. I would think so. So, like we said. This is a very, it's a different angle, right? A different angle on on driving some knowledge about how to manage the customer through to the key managers. But tell us more about that. Why did, where did this come from? The, yeah, it's a good question. It's not, it was not intentional. I remember working with a number of remodelers and having, of course, you know, the sailor techniques actually work. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and so the sales were going up. And the salespeople were successful, and they were selling these design agreements. I'm sure that most people listening to this know what a design-build contractor is and that they need to do the design first. And then the design would just park. Nothing would happen. I mean, we, yeah, they'd have meetings, and they'd be drawing stuff, but there would be no decisions made, and it would, would take forever to get these designs into construction. And some of them would stall permanently because, you know, the, the – the customer got sick, the design took too long, and something bad happened to the customer. Or worse, what was very common was the price, the, uh, the budget was blown up. 
customer was very clear we had $150,000 to spend on a project, and the designer shows them a project for $300,000, and they act a little bit surprised why the customer doesn't want to build it. And so it was very frustrating for me personally to see these salespeople perform at a higher level and start to achieve the results, but yet it wasn't translating into, um, into revenue. So, uh, of course, a little known fact about me is uh, I used, my first job was not in sales. I never actually wanted to be in sales initially. I used to design wiring for cars. Mm. I used, my first job was at General Motors doing designs for wiring. <laughs> and so I've, I've got a few years of design experience under my belt. And I do distinctly remember my boss, Jeff, coming to me one day and saying, Chip, hey, uh, you need to get all your designs done by next Friday. You know, that's the deadline to get your designs done. And I'm like, yeah, Jeff, I got them all. I got like 30 designs and, and I'm only going to I'm going to have 28 of them done. What, two of them I won't be able to get done by next Friday. Well, Jeff's veins started popping out of his forehead <laughs> and he was like having this attack or something and i could tell i thought he was going to blow up and he was like so help me god chip you get those two designs done i am not going to go to the cheap engineer and tell them we don't have your designs done by the deadline i don't care what it takes and so i grew up in you know in a professional environment where we had deadlines mm -hmm. and like you you made the flipping deadline or else and so it just was very shocking to me. And I realized that these designers just weren't managing the customer properly. Ah. Now, in fairness to the designers, most of them that I've trained, they're very nice people. And they like their customers and they love what they do and they love to be creative. But they have the wrong role model of how to behave and how to manage customers. Well, how do you mean? What does that mean, the wrong role model? Well, for instance, most of them see themselves as a waiter or a concierge in a hotel. You know, hmm. what can I get you, sir? What would you like? Would you like some mayonnaise to go on the side of that? Uh, <laughs> would you like ice in your water? You know, they, they really see themselves as being customer oriented, but they don't realize that, that we're not in the luxury market. I know these remodels cost a lot of money, but you, the designers must recognize that the homeowners do not have a lot of expertise in making selections. If I go to a, hamburg uh, to a hamburger joint, I know exactly what kind of hamburger I want. I know how I want it cooked, and I know exactly what I want on it. I've had hundreds of hamburgers. <laughs> okay, well, your homeowners don't have that experience. And unfortunately for us, the people in the remodeling industry, they watch TV. You guys know why that's so bad, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They watch uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, and mm -hmm. they watch Bob Vila, and they think that everybody's going to finish their remodel over the weekend and it's going to cost one-tenth of what it's actually going to cost. Mm -hmm. So quite frankly, the designers are, they're, they're coming in handicapped. They're dealing with a situation where the homeowners are not properly uh, trained, the homeowners don't have the right experience, and even worse, they have false expectations. That's why I got into the customer management training business because there's just so much that we can do for these designers once we get them to realize they're not a waiter in a restaurant. Okay, so if a waiter is the wrong role model, what's the right role model? A trusted advisor, a subject uh. matter expert, uh, an expert consultant, someone like that. Mm. And why? Because they need to guide and ultimately lead the customer. Uh, I'll give you an example. Customer says to a, a designer, 
oh boy, there's a lot of ways we could go with this layout. Why don't you work up six different layouts and then we'll look at them and decide. Well, that is a recipe for disaster. Actually, I had somebody tell me that a customer asked them to do that. <laughs> and I said, don't tell me. When you presented the six uh, designs, they couldn't make a decision over which one. And the designer goes, how did you know that? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're so good. Yeah, well, no, it's because I've worked with enough designers right. that are selling to homeowners. Um, the, the point is, is that we've got to manage what we provide to the customer. We want to optimize. We want to simplify options. And we definitely don't want our designers designing six different layouts. That takes a lot of extra time and mm -hmm. work. And if, if, most, if it's like most remodelers, the design area is not a profit center. Most remodelers, there's a few that, are, that have make money on design, but most of them, they just want to get the design done as quickly as possible so they can get it into production. That's where the profit's going to occur. So there, there's, we really need to manage and lead and the other thing, too, about designers is ideally they're not giving the customer what they want. They're giving the customer something that the customer never would have dreamt of mm. had it not been for the designer's brilliant insight mm -hmm. and asking a lot of questions and coming up with an option so that the homeowner goes, oh, my God, you're a genius. Mm -hmm. I never would have thought of doing it this way. I love you guys. This is a great solution. If all we're just doing is giving the homeowner what they want, we're basically draft people. We're nothing more than that. Now, Chip, to divert for just a second, one of the things that's been coming yeah. up with a number of members recently, I'll get us back on track in a second, but is the, is the question of how, what's the better model? To have salespeople that hand off to designers, which it seems like a lot of what you're talking about is, the examples are, or to have a salesperson who also designs and takes the project through the whole design process. And the reason I'm asking that, I want to know first, is one better than the other? But also, don't these rules or isn't the advice you're going to give us applicable to both? Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's a uh, – in, in the training that we do for, cust for customer management, we don't call it sales training. We don't even use the S word in any of the uh, training. But, of course, a lot of the – a lot of the dynamics are the same because they're all dealing with homo sapiens. As long as you're working with homo sapiens, the psychology is always going to be the same, whether it's design or the, um, the sales call. But to answer your question, um, it, it has to do with the culture of your company and the division of labor. It's not easy to find someone who has the interpersonal selling skills and the design acumen. Mm -hmm. I have worked with some companies that find those people, and they are wonderful, and they're they, they enjoy the Sandler methodology, and they are very successful. But it's hard to find someone with both of those attributes. Okay. So a lot of companies divide the labor up because it's easier to find somebody who's good at selling and schmoozing and making customers feel good and a separate person who's really good at um, doing the designs and coming up with the innovative solutions. If your culture of your company is such that you uh, you really pine to have those same expertise with the same people, just recognize it's going to be harder to hire people, uh -huh. but that's okay. Uh, but normally, I think the, the most common model is to divide the labor up. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Okay. So what are what are some typical conversion rates for salespeople and then, you know, how many of those all the way through from, from the initial lead through to construction? 
and how does the designer impact that? Well, I can tell you that uh, your your design to construction ratio should exceed 85% without question. Okay. Um, I mean, you should not be doing designs of any, um, that require any amount of time if you're not converting it darn near a 90% conversion rate. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know things always happen and once in a while something's gonna fall out, people get sick, people get laid off, you know, the economy turns, those kinds of things do happen and they're outside the control of the, the remodeling company. But in general, you should be at a 90% conversion rate. Mm-hmm. I have worked with companies that were in the 50% range. Ah, so what do you and, do when you see that? You train the heck out of their designers. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes it's the salesperson's fault. Sometimes the salesperson overpromises and underdelivers, and the designer never had a snowball's chance in heck <laughs> of getting this design through the process, and the, and the salesperson to improve Chip. their uh, their ability. I need you to clean up the language, please. (laughs) I need you to clean that language up. Yeah. We have have what uh, we call the Tim Fowler standard, which is pretty darn clean. He might have a problem with the... Oh, shucks. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay. Um, Sorry, I screwed you up. That's all right. The... um, the, the point is, is that usually it's the designer's fault. I, I mean, I love designers. I work with lots of them. But in most cases, they're, they're not leading the process. They're letting the customer uh, take over. They're doing whatever the customer says. The customer starts. Everybody wants to add stuff to the design. And the designer needs to do more than just say, oh, this will cost more. They need to have a, a pain discussion, P-A-I-N, and a budget discussion with that homeowner to figure out if this is really something that's going to fit into the design or whether we should just put it aside and not worry about it. Chip, so a couple times now, you've already you've mentioned speed as far as design. Why is speed of design so crucial to a des- design build remodeler? Many reasons. It's a great question, and it's not intuitively obvious. Um, number one, of course, time kills deals. The longer a design takes, the more susceptible we are to all the crazy things that happen in our world that could cause this design to go sideways. Uh, not to mention the fact that prices of materials are increasing. There's also that dynamic as well. But the main reason you want to increase your design speed is because of the capacity of your design department. If your designers can design $2 million a year each, that's that's best in class, by the way. If a designer can design $2 million of stuff in a year, pump that out. That's pretty good. If they can only design a million dollars, then that means you just cut their productivity in half. Mm-hmm. And not only are you going to have to uh, hire twice as many people, but it's going to take twice as long to get those designs done. So it really is about uh, managing the capacity of your design department. You know, in remodeling, we have three processes that have to match up. We have the sales process, we have the design process, and we have the production process. And all three of those need to be relatively matched up in terms of their capacity. Mm -hmm. And right now what I'm seeing is in in today's economy, the salespeople are closing lots of deals, and the design department becomes the bottleneck. Mm-hmm. And it's a problem. It's costing a lot of these remodelers, in some cases, millions of dollars in lost revenue because they're not able to get these projects designed fast enough. 
Hey, Chip, in your experience, again, I'm going to divert slightly and come back, but in your experience, how is how are the best companies organized in those departments, in the sales, design, and where in estimating? Like, for example, you said that the a lot of the companies, the majority, have salespeople that sell. They hand it off to designers who design. Where's the estimator fall in? Because some companies, sales will sell, design, estimate the whole schmear. I'm a little bit leery about that. I've seen that, and, and it can be done. Um, but I would recommend that the estimator uh, be separate from uh, the salesperson. There's a, a huge temptation to mm-hmm. be overly optimistic. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how many senior remodelers that have been in the business for 30 years and they tell me that their their gut instinct is always wrong. They can never accurately <laughs> estimate something without getting into the computer and really spending a lot of time. Okay. And again, the other thing is the division of labor. Again, finding a salesperson that's highly detail-oriented is not a normal salesperson. <laughs> Most salespeople are not that detail-oriented, and you certainly want somebody. You know, you think about the disc profile. Yes. Um, you, you definitely don't want a high eye doing estimates for your company. Right. <laughs> so what's the best profile for a really good salesperson? There, there is no good profile. And you can – I've worked with D's, I's, S's, and C's, all of which can be successful in sales. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a false uh, belief out there that you need to be a high eye to be successful in sales, and in fact, that is false. How about designers? Um, any any trends? Any standards there? Um, I will tell you that we do use an assessment for designers, but it's not a disc assessment. I'm I'm where are there are other attributes that we're looking for that are crucial for designers more the more so than their communication patterns. The disc profile gives insight into how people communicate and how they behave. Right. I want to know if a designer has the ability to work long hours. Mm-hmm. I want to know if the designer is inquisitive and naturally curious. I want to know if the designer is goal-oriented and, and highly competent with managing their time. These are the kinds of attributes that we're looking for with designers to, to uh, predict their success. Cool beans. Can we go back for one second to the – and I'm, I'm pulling you a little bit away from the specifics. I'll get back to that. But let's talk about conversion one more time cause to the farther yeah. out the front end. So from lead to appointment, what do you see as a, you know, that first step? How many leads are qualified enough for an appointment? So here's the – here's this the, the, um, it's a non-answer. You're not going to like it, but it's the <laughs> truth. The Closing ratio is primarily a function of where the leads are coming from. In the last two years, any contractor that's been having a trouble with converting leads or has a low conversion rate, the first thing I'm telling them is get back in touch with your old customers because those will be your highest conversion leads. Get back in touch, generate referrals, get some repeats. Closing ratio is first and foremost a function of lead source. If all you're doing is chasing appointments that found you on the internet, Lee, on the internet, your conversion rate could be as low as five percent, and you still might be a pretty good salesperson. Uh, if all you're doing is dealing with uh, referrals and repeats, your conversion ratio could be thirty percent. But it really, in fact, whenever I'm working with a new client, one of the first things we do is we we say, let's look at your your leads, and we have them create a, a little spreadsheet, and they break down the conversion rate of the lead uh, of the con- 
conversion rate by lead source. Mm -hmm. So we look, okay, this one found us on house. And by the way, I'm hearing that house is not as great as it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and and his, these are from the internet and these are from Angie's list and these are referrals and these came to a design seminar. And you'll, they'll see there are drastically different close ratios right. based on these. All right, so let's get back to managing customers. Give us some ideas on some of the techniques that you feel are crucial for these designers to be implementing when they're managing a client. First and foremost is, is learning how to manage a meeting, how to conduct a meeting in a professional way to achieve an objective. Uh, most uh, designers have no training in this area. They've been focused on getting a certification and passing a test on how to design things, and no one has told them or taught them that there's a way to conduct a meeting that is collaborative, that puts the uh, homeowner at ease, and achieves an objective. We've got to remember that these homeowners are paying big bucks for mm -hmm. the service. Mm -hmm. And it does not make them feel good to have a meeting that's just run kind of randomly. They want to feel that the meeting was professional and uh, that we were achieving, that we're achieving objectives at every meeting. I remember the last time I did a remodel. Every time we had a meeting with a designer, I was hot and heavy, ready to make decisions. I was anxious to get this project going. I didn't want to delay. And if we weren't making decisions quickly, I got frustrated. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I don't think I'm unique, and, and I'm positive that all of the homeowners that the designers are working with would like the design process to go faster. And the first step in doing that is managing these meetings properly, okay. getting outlines and objectives and outcomes from each one of the meetings. That makes sense. Uh, sticking to a time schedule. Um, uh, saying to the homeowner, we have up to an hour for our meeting today, and then sticking to that. Um, setting clear next steps. Okay, the next time we're going to meet will be on Thursday, uh, July 3rd at such and such a time, and this is what we will do at that meeting. Uh, using the calendar uh, and, and collaborating on dates. That's another thing is that customers love to see is they like to see time frames and uh, sort of like simplified Gantt charts. I'm assuming most of our listeners know what a Gantt chart mm -hmm. is. I would think. Um, customers love that stuff. They'll plan their they'll plan their social schedule around your Gantt chart as long as you build one. And most designers, they I've actually this is I know this is going to sound shocking to you, but <laughs> I've worked with designers who initially thought the longer a design took, the better the design was. I kid you not. So well, they I would mean, intentionally sort of. drag out the process and make it take a long time to finish these designs, not realizing that the customer's wringing their hands and can't wait to get started on production. But I, I can sort of see how someone would think that because they're thinking, if I take longer, they know I'm trying to be more creative or pay more attention to detail. So it's, it's, it's a show of strength to drag it out. Yeah, that's what they think, and, and certainly we don't want to make it look too easy. I, I understand that that uh, philosophy, and I'm a fan of never making it look too easy. Never invent in front of the customer. How do you if mean? You have a genius <laughs> attack. If, if a designer has a genius attack, I want them <laughs> to not display that genius attack in front of the customer. I want them to hold it back, and the next time they meet with a customer, tell them it took us hours to come up. <laughs> okay. So I, I get the idea of, you know, showing that there was some effort required and that the customer will appreciate that. But 
But I guarantee you, these customers are losing their patience after about three weeks. And some of these design processes are taking two and three months. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Well, what, is, what does the designer do if they have a client that just doesn't hold up their end of the bargain? Okay, we're going to meet next Thursday. You will have gone to these suppliers. You will have picked out these elements, yada, yada. And then they, the client cancels and they can't get back or they haven't done their homework or yada, yada. Well, okay, that does happen, although I can assure you that is not the majority of the situations. In many cases, the reason the customer is not getting it done is because the designer wasn't clear on what the assignment was. But assuming you do have one of those difficult-to-manage customers, first thing I want the designer to do is to predict that that homeowner is not going to get this thing done by asking the right questions and building the right sort of relationship with their homeowners, the designer needs to be able to predict if someone's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And then we need to adjust the company's expectations about this process accordingly. Um, sometimes these people need to have their hand held. They literally need to have you hold their hand, and, and otherwise they will never get these homework assignments done. And again, it does take extra time, but you have a choice. Do you want to have this design take forever, or do you want to go ahead and hold the hand and get it done by the deadline? Mm -hmm. The designer has a lot more power than they think, but even if they have that terrible customer from hell, um, then they still need to be able to predict and tell production, this design's not going to get done on a timely basis, and here's the six reasons why. So do you think by implementing some of the things you've already talked about, managing the meeting, managing expectations, scheduling, using your calendar, some of those things, that you can reduce the design time by X percent? You can help the designers oh, yeah. do that? We, we, I've, in many cases, our target uh, is to have, H-A-L-V-E, the uh, amount of time necessary. Wow. To so really fast-tracking it. Well, there's a couple of things that are not that hard to do. One, I'm not saying the designer is going to be able to actually design their, their work and hours to do the drafting is going to be halved. But I am saying that if you would manage the next meeting with a – here, I'll give an example. Bad, a bad example is when the designer says, okay, this has been a great meeting. Uh, we'll call you next week, and uh, we'll, we'll see what you want to do in terms of those paint colors. <laughs> but what the designer should have said is, all right, we've had a great meeting. When can I call you next week so that you can tell me what your selection is for the paint color? How about Wednesday at 3 o'clock? Yeah, at Wednesday at 3 o'clock, I will call you. See, what happens is we, we play phone tag unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. The customer doesn't realize that we wanted an answer by Wednesday. They thought Friday would be acceptable. Mm-hmm. We have all this, so many things that we can do to clarify uh, the process with a client that we can actually reduce the amount of time from when the design starts to when the design is actually done. And all that adds up, like you said, to um, keeping your design team maximized and making a lot of money for the company. It translates directly into dollars for the company. Yep. And I'll tell you another thing, you know, and this is a little bit of a secret, but um, a lot of these designers, when they learn these skills, they can actually upsell during the design process and have the customer like it. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I've got I've got one client who who uh, forecasts a 25% increase in all design contracts. Wow! So if they sell a design uh, that's going to have a target budget of $100,000, they uh, they forecast a $125,000 project, and they do it like clockwork. Really? By the designers? Oh, yeah. Brilliant. 
by the designers, not the salespeople. And it, and it works, and the customers love them. It's really exciting to see that you know, a co- every company out there potentially has a 25% boost that they could do if they would just um, empower the designers with some of these skills. Well, Chip, I, I, I got to tell you, I got a secret for you. It's, it's What's the, that? It's the, it's the time of the show where we do the lightning round. Oh, no, this is where I feel pressure. <laughs> I don't believe you feel any pressure ever, but we'll see what oh, happens. No, I do. <laughs> and now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap. All right, let's okay. get this going. Let's go. 60 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite business book and why? Your Brain at Work by David Rock. Uh, it was, introdu- it was uh, introduced to me by a client, and it basically tells me why all this stuff works. I, Sandler's really good at telling you what to do, but they don't ever tell you why. And <laughs> Your Brain at Work will give you insights into why these techniques work. Great. If you weren't sales expert for Sandler training, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd probably be doing something in the automotive industry. I do miss being in the car industry. It's gone through a lot of changes, um, but uh, you know, car, uh, cars are kind of in my blood. What are you not very good at? Cleaning, organizing. <laughs> I am, I am not good at that. I have, I have given myself permission to be a little bit um, untidy. <laughs> well, good segue to the next one: your room, your desk, or your car. Which do you clean first? You're- car all day long <laughs> how would you sell hot cocoa in florida sell hot cocoa in florida i would find uh i'd find uh kids i'd, I'd go find a bunch of kids because all kids like hot cocoa <laughs> so you'd identify the right target audience i got it I'd go, I'd, yeah you, they always say you can have the best rut and reel in the world, but if you're fishing in the wrong location, you're not going to catch it. <laughs> there you go. Would you rather be a clown who distracts the bull or the cowboy who rides it? I'd rather be the cowboy that rides it. <laughs> oh that's a very, that's a really good question. You're, you're, if you could see, you know, I'm, I, you're making me think really hard. <laughs> Don't spend too much time on it. <laughs> so, so how come, what, what made you choose the cowboy? Um, I just, uh, I, I get kind of freaked out thinking about myself in a clown outfit. <laughs> okay. The well, red nose thing is just too much. If it makes you feel any better, it's freaking me out right now, too. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yeah. What, the what visual. When you're afraid of clowns. Yeah, really. Well, this has been awesome, Chip. Thank you so much for coming and sharing the, the, the sort of the outline, the, the highlights of the program that you're going to be teaching here pretty soon. Um, so My pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. So how will people find out about the program? that is going to be launching soon-ish. Well, the program's going to be launching. Hold on. When is I know when the program's going to be launching. It's going to be launching on uh, July 17th. So do, shall we um, – how about if Mark adds something in the show notes to let people know how to get involved in that and how to reach you and so on? That's a great idea, yeah. Um, and uh, my email is chipd at sandler.com. C-H-I-P-D at Sandler.com. They can contact me. I can share the information with them. But, yeah, it's the, the, we're, gonna, we're, we're going on. I believe it's July 17th. I'm looking forward to it. We've already got some people signed up. Good deal. So before we go now, it's time for your five words of wisdom. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Communicate without judgment. Disqualify quickly. 
Mm, okay, so give us the background of that. That's fantastic. A lot of people, when they're conducting sales calls or conducting design meetings, they impose their own judgment into mm. things. They think, oh, that won't look nice or the customer won't like that instead of asking the question. Okay. Um, and they, they, they need to eliminate their own judgment from the design process, from the sales process. Mm-hmm. They need to adopt the judgment of the prospect or customer. Okay. But the other thing that we need to do is realize that salespeople do not go broke from getting rejected. I've never seen a salesperson <laughs> fail from being shot down. Salespeople go broke because they keep chasing the bad prospects that we're never going to buy. And so we need to learn to let people go a little bit more quickly. That's and tough. those two concepts together pretty much sum up what it takes to be successful in remodeling sales and design. All right. That's wonderful. Great. Thank you so much, Chip. This has been great. And we look forward to having our members be uh, participating in this program as well as continuing in the Sales Edge program. So, And we'll see you at the summit where you're on the main stage. Woohoo! I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to have you back on, man. You bet. Okay. All right. Thanks, Chip. Bye. <laughs> Chip, Chip is awesome. He's so smart. I know. I love having him on, and I'm really looking forward to him speaking at the summit. Because while this is about managing the customer, which is super important, he's also going to be covering a lot of just general, really pointed sales advice when he speaks at the summit. So I'm excited. Well, what is it that he's going to be uh, talking about at summit again? Well, you know, the remember the theme of the summit this year is legacy and building right. a high-value business. So right. he's going to be talking oh. about that whole idea of building a sales team, getting all the responsibility of sales off the owner's shoulders, how to do it, who to look for, how to set it up, all the things you need to know to really be successful without salespeople other than you, the owner. Yeah, he's going to light it up. It's You know, it's funny. I remember the first time I saw him. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's tall. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I so was not expecting it. I mean, he's got to be like 6'8 or 6'9. I don't know, I, I man. Think. So, I don't know. I just was shocked because I, I always see him on like a Skype call or, right. you know, and people are so much shorter on Skype. I don't understand <laughs> yeah. what it is. Funny how that works. But actually, I thought that's why he didn't want to be the clown. Could you imagine <laughs> he would a just... nine foot tall clown? They, there's only one place yeah. that that bull's going. Yeah. And he's not getting out of the way. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, with good good episode, though. I love talking sales and not just he. he you know, he's been doing it so long. He's got such great anecdotes and things to share. So Yeah, and he uses analogies well. Yes, he does. I noticed that <laughs> as well. you know, I'm the king of analogy. Yes, I love yes. me a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's so good. this show is like oh. <laughs> so much for me being good. <laughs> yeah, really? I was like, wait, what are you uh, doing? Yeah. Cats are like dogs for lazy people. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. That was another great episode. Yes, it was. Well, thank you all for being here. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the remodeler's guide to business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.